What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today with my friend, Michael Huey. Guys, I was on his podcast. Wait till you hear his story and, and just the type of guy he is. You're going to love him. But before I do that, let me introduce him. Michael's originally from Lancaster, Ohio, and attended Ohio State University, where he received a degree in nutrition, exercise science, and sports management, and also received an eight-year theology degree in Christian studies. He is a master educator for the American Council of Exercise, 25-plus certifications from fitness, nutrition, and anti-aging. He's the founder and CEO of HeFluence, the number one problem-solving coaching company on the planet. He recently started his own podcast, which I was on, called the HeFluence Podcast. He loves to work out, bike, and golf, and he lives in Groveland, Florida with his amazing wife, Lisa. Michael, welcome to the What Are You Made Of podcast. Michael, it's good to be here, my brother. I have a lot of respect and love for you, so thanks for having me today. Thank you, man. Thank you. You don't have to be so nice, man. <laughs> I had a fun time on your show, man, and we've been seeing each other on Clubhouse and I'm glad that I had the opportunity to have you on the show. We've been backed up a while, but it's great to have you here, Mike. I'm so honored. And so it's funny how we, we have our divine appointments on Clubhouse. Like we're in the same rooms, you know, we're usually right within in, in, in reach of each other, which is kind of funny. You know, it's not, it's kind of how God made it work, right? He just right. does what we need, right? We need, right. we need to be around. So that's good. right, man. Well, look, we always start the show with the question, what are you made of? So Mike, what are you made of? Well, I'm made of integrity. I'm made of love. I was made in God's image to do great things. I was called to great things. I think I'm made of being a good husband, Mike, to be honest with you. That's what I'm called to do in my life. I'm made of just a person who wants to fulfill God's destiny and calling upon his life while serving others. And I heard, I just, it's so funny, right before you came on, I had a 15 minute break and I was listening to a guy talk about why he was created and what he was made of. And he said that he was made to do great things. And one day, if you've ever heard Ed Milet say this, Ed Milet always says, I'm made every day so that one day when I stand before God, I can see the same person that he created me to be, and he won't be a stranger. He'll be that person that God, with his gifts and his talents and everything he created you to be. So man, that just encourages me. That's what I'm made of. Yeah, man. I love that. I love when Ed says that, man. I, I've never had a chance to meet Ed yet, but I'm sure that'll come here one day. But I've heard a lot of his uh, content and really vibe with it. But uh, so, Michael, let's talk about your faith because you bring that up quite often. You're not afraid to share. You're not apologetic for your beliefs, which I love. I'm not apologetic for my beliefs either. And where did your faith start? Ah, that's a good question. It's really funny. You know, the difference between, you know, faith is a substance that things hope for, but the evidence of things not seen, right? So there's a difference between what you and I understand, Mike, is faith. And then a belief system. You know, it's this my grandmother used to say this all the time. Mike's used to say an experience trumps a feeling or a belief every single time. So you and I, we get to experience what it means to have faith. We don't just believe in 
whatever the universe or whatever. And, and no defense if anybody believes that or has that feeling. That's not for me. I'm not the judge. Like Ed says, we all have to stand before the judge one day, right? My faith started at a young age. My faith started when I was told, you know, at a very young age, I lived with an alcoholic father's home. I was told I'd never graduate or go to college. And, and you heard Mike say I have multiple degrees now. And my faith came at a very young age when I was, I had a real true experience with God. I had, I encountered the Holy Spirit in, in the Christian faith. It says you become born again and you, you know, not the typical going back in your mother's womb and coming back out like people think when they hear that, but actually knowing and experiencing God. Just like I could be in a clubhouse room with Mike and I could hear him talk and I like him anyway. So I just would be attracted <laughs> to him as a friend and as a person I want to get to know. But if I never see him like we are now, right? Like we're seeing each other, we're hearing each other. I had him on my podcast. I didn't, would never get to know him right? We'll never get to experience him. Now I can experience him and know what he's like. I can hear him speak like he spoke to Shaka Dyson today and said how much he was encouraged and inspired, right? Like people say this all the time to me, Mike, how do I remember so much about so much, so many things when you were told you'd never graduate? I said, I just asked God. God says the reason we lack wisdom is because we don't ask for it. And if I ask for wisdom, what's he say he's going to do? He's going to freely give it to me, right? Yep. I can have it free. And there's a difference between just the wisdom that you and I, men, get, and then the, the one that we get when God gives us his wisdom combined with ours, it's a lot more powerful. So my faith journey went through that. You who, know, introduced, who introduced you to Jesus though? Well, my cousin Mark and my uncle, right? Just in a really intimate setting, just said basically like this. They said, hey, you know, you're a good kid. You're 11 years old. You live in an alcoholic father's home. What's going to happen if you die tomorrow? And I was like, I don't know. Am I going to go to heaven? And they said, do you want to know if you'll know that you know? And then I just said a prayer and I received God. And then when I was in, I'll share this real 15 seconds, Mike. I was, when I was in high school, I was known as the Jesus boy, right? And I didn't realize how special that was until I got older, right? I didn't realize that God had set me apart to be that. At first, it was kind of uncomfortable, right? But then you know that people are looking at you. And now later on in life, people that said that to me, have came back to me and said, wow, you really set an example of something that I wish I would have learned sooner in my life. Like I wish I would have mm -hmm. done things differently had I listened to you. And so I think that that's what's most important for me in my faith is just setting an example, whether a person learns it now or learns it later. Yeah. I mean, and what happens is when you do that, and it's not just with faith in God, but it's with a lot of things when you're trying to better yourself, people, anything that they say is just, they're basically talking about themselves and the fact that they wish they had that faith that you had. Yeah. And it's so true when you realize that it changes everything. And if we could get to more younger people, really make them understand that when others criticize them or make comments or throw digs, to really feel sorry for the other person because the other person's really just expressing thoughts about themselves. And so good you say that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think somebody asked me this the other day, and you'll appreciate this because we talked about it when, on my podcast a little bit. Somebody said, Oh, you know, Mike, you're a Christian. You're really strong about your face. Are you afraid you're going to offend anybody? And I said, I would offend a person more. If they found out about me down the line and didn't know who I was and I didn't share with them and I didn't let them know who I was, then letting them know up front who I am and what I stand for. I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent, man. So take us back though. Uh, living in a house, how many children did you grow up with? You're looking at it. Just Okay. So only child. Yeah. And what was like growing up with an alcoholic father like? I mean- yeah. Well, it's funny now. And was he we, functioning alcoholic, by the way? Or He worked a lot. Yes. So he was a functioning alcoholic, but he was very abusive. When I was 13, he beat my mom from head to toe where she wasn't able to go out of the house. She had to wear glasses and 
in a coat. I can have vivid memories. And it's kind of funny how God allowed me to just remember certain things about back then and how he suppressed some of those things. And um, now, I mean, I spend every Sunday with my dad now. He's 80. He'll be 81 here pretty soon. He's challenging still to this day. He got saved about 12 years ago, but he's still pretty challenging because they just get people get older, they get challenging. But I think for me, it was challenging for me because I was nothing I ever did was good enough. Like I would literally, Mike, I'd score 27 points and have 10 rebounds in a basketball game. And my dad would point out the one free throw that I missed or the one or, you know, whatever it may be in a football game. We had a really good football team in high school and uh, I was one of our best players. And I had 19 tackles in a game. And my dad, my dad pointed out the one play that I missed in the entire game. And the entire, the county had made me player of the game for the entire county, which was close to 150 schools in that county. And my dad said, that still wasn't good enough. You could have did better. And I think living in an alcoholic's father's home, I used to work for my dad during the summer, Mike, when I was in high school and he was a construction foreman and he would always give me the hardest jobs. You know, working with a jackhammer. And I'll just finish with this. I said this one the last summer, because I worked for four summers for him from my freshman to my senior year. One of the, he had asked somebody else to kind of be in charge of me. And he said, Hey, your dad's been giving you all these tough jobs. How about what would you like to do your last summer here? And I was like, Anything but run a jackhammer, be down in some holes and do crazy stuff that my dad wants me to do. He said, Can you drive this dump truck? And literally, I got in it, Mike, and I looked at it, it was a stick shift. And I was like, it's either learn how to drive this stick shift or go back to literally running a jackhammer on the side of a outside of a wall where if you fall, you fall 20 feet and break your legs and your back, right? And I was like, yeah, I can do it. And so literally when I went off to college, I was an athlete in college. My dad called me one day and that was when we didn't have cell phones. So he beeped me and I had to call him from payphone. He said, hey, did you know how to drive that truck that they let you drive this summer? And I said, why do you ask? He said, the transmission went out of it. Yeah, I was like, I said, at least I didn't have to do a thing. So it kind of made me think about things when I got older about how I had to think and how my dad, some of the good things that my dad instilled in me, like thinking ahead and hard work and some of those things. But yeah, it, it, it was challenging. Yeah. Yeah, difficult. you know, I remember trying to learn how to drive a stick and how scary that was, and it would jerk, you know, if you didn't clutch hard. That's what the truck did the whole oh, time man. I was in it. And, yep. and it's like you realize here's the thing you realize that you're not in control. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, that was a good lesson when I was growing up as well. I think there's a fine line between, you know, what your dad did for you by putting you in tough situations and also when you're playing sports, understanding that look, you're great. You don't compare yourself to the people that didn't score as many as you. We need to sharpen that thing up because that would make you that much better. So it's a fine line there. I think it's how you handle it and you encourage first and then you say, okay, but we got to work on this too. You know, Maybe he was missing that encouragement part. That was a hundred. And it's funny you bring that up because when I was in John Maxwell's, it's funny. I, I went to a church when I was younger, Mike, and it was John Maxwell's church. And John was 23 years old at the time. Okay. I was five, right? Yeah. And it's just funny. Now he's 70. I'm in my 50s, right? And I suppressed all that. And I, I heard John speaking about, about how he started a church in a small town in Ohio. And I was like, all this stuff came rushing back in. And he talked about a blue bus that he used to drive and people would come. And, and that was me. He would pull up in front of my house and he would come out. And I remember him saying this in a private mastermind that I was in. He said, never correct or scold without encouragement. He said, you can never want something for somebody that they don't want for themselves. but if you're going to be mentoring someone or coaching someone like we do, you have to encourage before you correct. Mm -hmm. And I don't think mm -hmm. my dad ever figured that out. 
Yeah. You know, uh, Alex Rodriguez said something on the GrowthCon stage about the uh, stoplight. And he talked about the green light, yellow light, and red light. Yep. When he's talking to people. You heard that before? Yeah. my No, you, you can talk about it, but my wife told me all about it. She was completely amazed by it. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I just the fact that you start with green and say, hey, great job. You're encouraging. This is what we need to continue to do. This and that. The yellow is where you kind of say, listen, and then we need to kind of work on this kind of thing. And then you go into the red. And But this stuff here, this doesn't belong anywhere here. We got to stop this right now. And you handle it that way. And it's just a little psychological thing to remember. I really like that. I never heard that uh, you know, framed that way before. So I thought that was cool. So Mike, so when you went to college, what did you play? What, what's uh, I ran track in college. I was a good, I was a good football player, good basketball player. I was recruited for all three sports, but Ohio State was the only one that recruited me for track. And I really wanted to go to Ohio State, you know? And so I obviously went to Ohio State because that's where I always wanted to go. So yeah. yeah well, growing up, growing up, I was a football player and I, I always wanted to play college football. And I, I was, Ohio State was my favorite team for some reason. I think it, you know, they were on playing Michigan every year and it was snowing. It was always an awesome game to watch. And I love the silver helmets and the little stickers that they got. And yeah, the I was never, I was never big enough, fast enough to play at Ohio State. So I went to division three, but still I was a Buckeye fan and I was, I just loved watching them. And uh, it, it's just so cool that you went there. Yeah. I'd say some of my, my favorite times were spent at Ohio State with a lot of my friends who went on and played in the NFL. You know, track and football were in the same facilities. We connected and worked out in the same facilities. I mean, even some of my friends like Mark Coleman, who went on and won the UFC championship, a friend Kevin Randleman, who passed away several years ago, won a UFC championship. It's really funny how a lot of my friends that back in my, I'll be honest with you, I went through this phase in my college days where I, I wasn't really following the Lord. And uh, well, that, that's what I was getting ready to say. The next yeah. thing too, like leading into that is just, you know, just because you're saved and because you believe in God and it doesn't mean that you all of a sudden are perfect. It's a journey. It's a journey, man. And when you start right away, it's not like an instantaneous thing where you are a spitting image of God and you act and do everything perfectly. It doesn't work that way. So yeah, let's talk about that because when I, I was saved when I was five, but I went through my phase, man, 18 to college. I mean, it was, I didn't like the person I was. It wasn't me, but talk about that. I think we're still growing now, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is, and yeah. I think what the biggest problem is, is that even now, like I have accountability, I'll have people call me out and say, Hey, you probably shouldn't have said that. Or have you ever looked at it like this? And, and there's this thing called spiritual warfare, right? If you don't know what spiritual warfare is, and I'm not trying to get too you know, spiritual on you, but there's, this is something that people really need to understand because this is the fine line that takes people, I believe, into the next, next journey of their life in this, in their spirit. You know, God gave us a spirit, soul, and body and the mind, will, and emotions, right? And my grandmother used to always say, the only way the devil can defeat you is in your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? Because that's what he control. That's what causes depression and anxiety and fear and doubt and worry and all these things. But then you have your spirit over here, which becomes your spirit man, which you, when you receive God, that spirit takes residence inside your body, which is unexplainable, right? It just, and it happens like that, right? Mm -hmm. And then you go into spiritual warfare. And I remember I was in spiritual warfare when I was married, okay? And my wife and I just brought all this junk. And if you're listening out there and you're married, I hope that you will take this serious because I just shared with a guy today that, you know, um, I had a guy come and do a VIP day with me and he came here for nutritional advice and coaching. And then we dug into his marriage. And he said, you say, he said, I paid you $5,000 for half a day and I saved myself $500,000 because I didn't get divorced and my marriage went on to be great. My wife went on, she lost her job. We had to renegotiate some things and do some things differently. It launched my business. I went on to make, you know, seven figures 
just little things about that spirit, soul, and body, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm not just going to talk to you about your body. Yep. I got to talk to you about your soul and where you are as a man, right? And so I was in spiritual warfare, Mike, back when my wife and I had got married. My wife had went through some emotional problems. There was no, there was a lot of stuff that weren't going on. Both of us just kind of came in and didn't get those things fixed when we came in. And I, I ran off. I went into a spiritual warfare. I became somebody that I didn't really like. But I remember the day a pastor friend of mine who runs one of the largest security companies in the world, he has all the Yankee contracts and guys crushing it in business, right? And he mm-hmm. says, he calls me on the phone one day and I was in Houston, Texas. And he said, hey, you know, you're not lying to anybody, right? I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm lying to everybody. Are you crazy? Lying to my wife, lying to my friends, lying to my family. He said, no. He said, you're believing the lies that the devil is telling you is the truth. He said, stop it. And I went in the other room and the guy I was staying with said, you're still here. He's like, I said, like, what are you talking about? He said, you know, this is never going to work. Like the devil's just lying to you. Pack your stuff and go home. Right. I literally went into the other room, changed my ticket. And Mike, this is the honest to God's truth. I called my wife and I said, I'm coming home. And I I live with a prophetic wife. And for any of you that's listening out there and you love your wife and you're a man, listen to your wife. She will save you a lot of trouble, a lot of money. They're very smart. That's why they live longer than we do. Let's just be real. (laughs) Right. And the Bible even says a man who finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor with God right? Whether you believe it or not, God's word never returns void. And she said, I know. She said, the only problem with that is I bought you a ticket. You're going to be locked up in a house for four days with 10 other men who just came out of spiritual warfare. She said, you have one day to pack when you get home and then you're driving to Tampa in this house. And I was like, okay, came home. That started, I clipped the noose that the devil had around my neck and I went right back into being the person I was called. So to to answer what you were saying, spiritual warfare is real. You're not you're never going to be perfect. There was only one perfect person. You're never going to be perfect. We all sin and fall mm-hmm. short. It's who you surround. You know, we always hear this, you know, you have some of the five people you surround yourself with. If you're a man and you don't have accountability, shame on you. Shame on you. I have blocks on my computers. I don't care whether you believe me or not. The Bible says two become one. Marriages would be saved if people grasped what two becoming one mean. What says a strand of three cords is not likely broken, right? Because my pecking order is God first, my wife, and then everything else after that. And once I figured that out, my life completely changed. And I think that that's what's excelled me into being better, even after losing a half a million dollars in 2018 and 2019, because I, was, I didn't have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart that was receptive for God's perfect will. I was living outside of what God, I was living his permissible will, and that's not what he wanted for me. And so now I've now going into 2021. I'm completely, it's, it's, it's him and I and my wife. And that's what, that's where I'm at. Good. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. By the way, losing money. I have a belief that it's not our money anyway. It's not. So it was, you were just storing it. And I was a bad steward of it. Let's just say that. Yeah. But then you got to go, just go get more. I mean, it's, it's it's recovered. It's It's, recovered. That's it. You just go get more. There's plenty of it out there. It's not something that's gone forever, but it feels like it when it happens. I'll I'll be with you there. It's not a good feeling. All all Um, my wife's retirement, Mike. Yeah. All my wife's retirement. Thank God I had residual income that was coming in. You know, I had a, a $10,000 a month residual income that was coming in and all of it was gone. And my wife just said, guess what? It, what? God said, if you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with more. 
She said, you pray and fast. Tell me what we're going to do and then we'll make it happen. I did that. I went through it. If you've never fasted, you should fast. Mm -hmm. I went through a 21 day fast. God told me to sell my house. I'd only owned it for a year and a house, a year and a half. We made $75,000 off of it. And we began to start to recover and we moved. I said to my wife, Hey, we're going to move. She said, when? And I said, as soon as we sell this house, we sold this house. And now we have our life back. And I'm not going to look back at that, Mike, but I grew from it and I became a better man. I became more who God called me to be, not who man or the world called me to be. And so I really like, I'm looking at Mike right now, right? He's looking at me. I like who I am now. I like Mm -hmm. who I'm becoming. And that I really truly believe this. I'll be 53 this year. And I believe the latter days of my life are going to be better than the former days of my life. Yeah. 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 You know, um, I was going to say something about that, but I forgot. But let's go to this question. So I've been on this thing in the last couple week or so, I guess. Is it evil to not go after the potential and blessings that God gave you to the point where you should, I know this is polarizing for some people, but to the point where you should consider it a sin and ask for forgiveness from God. What are your thoughts on that? So you're saying that God's given you all these gifts and all these talents and you're not and, using And them. you're complacent and comfortable and you're not really striving and going after it each and every day. And not just your potential and blessings, but also your impact that you could have with people. Your potential What made impact. you think about this? It's, no, I was, I was trying to- about it? Well, yeah, I was thinking about it because of I'm always trying to impact people. And I'm always trying to get to get people's attention with for themselves, to elevate them, to help level to, to really figure something out. What's gonna make them really figure out I need to go for more? Like I, I need to I I have more opportunity for impact for people, to take care of my family, you know, whatever it is. What what can I really get into? And I started thinking, well, is it actually evil? Is it actually something that like is something we need to ask for forgiveness? Is it a sin not to go after your potential and blessings? Is it, it, all, you know, it, is it yeah. okay to just sit back and be comfortable and complacent <laughs> and say, I have just enough? It's a good question. And think about it. The old book, greatest selling book of all time every single year, right? The New York Times bestseller, the Bible, right? Says the gifts of God are without repentance. God gives us gifts. We don't use them. We repent and turn towards fulfilling that. And I'll share this in, in just real quick, Mike. I, I had a dream, and this will confirm what you're saying, okay? I had a dream at the beginning of 2020, which I had one of my best years in business when we were in a pandemic. If you call it a pandemic, I didn't call it a pandemic. I called it an opportunity to serve and to be better and to encourage people. I was in my dream and uh, I looked in front of me and I saw these doors in front of me and they were beautiful. It was black and there was lights and they were shiny and it looked like gold. And there was a little door on my left. And I looked over my shoulder and I saw this doors all broken behind me for miles and miles. And some were open, some were closed. And I heard the door on the left open and shut. And I looked and it was the Lord. And he walked in. I get goosebumps every single time I tell this story because it was real, Mike. It was real as rough. You know, the word of God, I got goosebumps all over my body right now. The word of God, the Holy Spirit gives power upon power dreams and visions he gives us, right? And he locked my arm underneath his arm. And I said, Lord, what are we doing here? He said, behind you was all these gifts and talents and stuff that I gave you and money. Some of it you were good with, some of it you were bad with, some of it you squandered with it. And he looked at me and he said, enough is enough. He said, you're soon to be 53 years old and enough's enough. He said, I've given you a calling and what you've done is you've just been in my permissible will. And I thought back to where my grandmother said, you'll be in three areas of your life. You'll be either be out of God's will, you'll be in God's permissible will, or you'll be in God's perfect will, right? And she said, you should always be striving to be in his perfect will, right? 
always and asking, God, what does that look like? What does the next phase of my life look like? And he said, bend down. He said, can you see the light at the end of the tunnel? And I said, well, what's this behind me? And I see, again, I said, God, is, is, it, is that all it is? And he said, that's your past. He said, you and I are going to do this part of your life together, and you're going to pump the brakes on my permissible will, and you're going to put the gas pedal on my perfect will. You're never going to be perfect. He said, but you've stopped dreaming. You've been just okay with your life. You've been okay with a half, you know, three quarters of a million dollars. And you've been okay with, you know, recovering things now. And you've been okay with missing, missing things and, you know, missing opportunity. And you've been okay with that. That has to stop today. And then he, he did this in one other dream, Mike, this is how it finished. He put his hands kind of on each side of my, my eyes, kind of like a blinders on a horse. And he'd done this in one of my other dreams about six years ago. And he said, uh, close your eyes. And he said, can you see it? Can you see it? And then I heard, and he, the door on the, the left opened and closed and he was gone. And I woke up from my dream like that. I don't know if anybody's ever done that, that's wanted to go back into their dream and kind of figure out what the next thing was going to look like, but it made sense. And from that day forward, I've constantly now realized that I'm not perfect, but now that sin and that falling short is something that I needed to repent of and say, God, my life is completely yours now. Show me the impact that I can make. You know, all these high-level clients are coming in. There's a good possibility that I'm going to have a big segment on a national television show that I can't talk about yet, but it's just about probably to happen here pretty soon. So all these things are happening. My influence has increased, but my relationship with my wife and my family and all that has gotten better. So I think to answer your point, yes, we need to repent constantly and ask God you know, what's your plan and purpose for my life? What is it that you want me to do? Who do you want me to serve? You know, who do you, what is it today? Because just remember, none of us are promised tomorrow, right? Today is the day, right? And so I think it's super important. I don't think it's a coincidence that you've been thinking about that either. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, last question here, Mike, before I do that, talk about Hefluence and how people can reach you. Okay. So Hefluence, the best way to reach me is at michaeldavidhuey.com. We kind of redirected Hefluence because everybody thought Hefluence meant I only work with men, which is not true, right? But if you, I mean, you obviously you can see the logo of Hefluence. It's got an arrow pointing up, and that means He being God. It's made in a shield, which is the shield of faith, right? That means He being God influences me to influence men and women to walk in purpose. I obviously have, I do work with a lot of men, but I do work with a lot of women. Like my client, a lot of my clients I just got recently, my wife was like, Hey, what about us women over here? You know, and I did a, a training and I had like 15 women signed up with me. And I was like, eh, maybe I should set some things up for women, right? Getting ready to launch a course. But if you go to michaeldavidhuey.com or if you go to hefluence.com, it will, it will transfer over to michaeldavidhuey.com because we wanted people to kind of, we're redoing the website since a lot of it was directed towards men and then women were like mm -hmm. going away. And so that's the best way or on Instagram at Michael David Huey or Hefluence, but that's the best way on Instagram or on our website. But I would say, you know, I'm on Instagram a lot now because we're on Clubhouse, Mike, and Instagram. We've, yep. we've grown yep. our Instagram, which is funny. We've grown our Instagram 4,000 people in the last two months, which is just crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It is, man. I love it. I love it. It's, it's, it's more genuine and more engaged followings, it seems like. But yeah. so final question, final question. We end with this question every show. The rocket fuel law is to turn all setbacks, letdowns, disappointments, discouraging people, anything, even screw ups by yourself. 
storing it in your tank instead of your trunk where it weighs you down and convert it into rocket fuel for your future to blast off way past where you originally were. What does that law mean to you? It means what we just talked about, what you and I just talked about. I don't think that's a coincidence that you asked that question on the last one and you've been thinking about like, what does it look like if I don't fulfill my calling, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's our rocket ship. I think when we're able to kind of see, you know, it's like I said to you, either God says he gives us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart that's receptive because that, you know, a lot of times God says, you know, if we don't forgive, God can't forgive us, but it's actually loving ourselves to be able to love others. So what I've done is, is even when I lost, this guy came in and to scale our company, Mike, and cost us a half a million dollars. I had to cancel my live event, which I think we would have made a half a million dollars on that too. So everybody's like, you didn't just lose a $500,000. You lost like a million dollars, right? And I don't fight my battles, right? I use that as a way to learn and grow. And now I kind of think, Mike, it's good that you asked this because when I had that dream and God had his hands around my eyes like blinders. It's got my blinders on so that that memory of losing her retirement and all of our money that my wife had to experience so that as she's now seeing us paying all this stuff off and I bought us a, a Peloton bike over the weekend because she wanted something that we could do here together at the house. And, and she knows I take people through 90-day programs and, and I asked her to do 75 hard with me. Right. <laughs> so we're on day three. And she just texted me as I was talking with you saying, I'm going to the gym and then we can do our walk later. Cause if you know much about yep. 75 hard, you got to do two workouts a day. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I did it for her, to be honest with you, because I believe that phrase and that thought process is who you are as a man, because I see that in you when you talk about it. I see how you've done that and how you've taken being successful in the corporate world. And now you're reaching more men and inspiring more people just because of who you are. I believe that God has massive things in store for you. I believe that God has massive things in store for you and your influence of how you're going to affect those people is going to be better because God says he knows the plans that he has for us to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future. And for me, that's my rocket fuel. I want to be able to, when I stay, like I said about Ed, when I stand before God and I see that person that God's created me be, that's my rocket fuel. I'll be honest with yeah, you. Yeah. That one minute video that Ed's done is on my laptop right here in front of me. I watch it. I don't know how many times a month, but I watch it. I'll be honest with mm -hmm. you. I watch it a lot. And my friend Brian Hess and I were talking about it the other day. He watches it a lot too. I just want to hear in this year, and here's what really fuels me. I want to hear one day, I want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. And then I look at that person. And as Ed says, we put our arm around him and we walk in to the gates because we became that person. And that's my rocket fuel. I want to become that version that best version we hear it said all the time of who God's created me to be. Love it. Love it. Great job today, Michael. Thank you, brother. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. You guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. Go be unstoppable. Go get that Rocket Fuel book, Convert Setbacks, Become Unstoppable with the forward written by Grant Cardone talking about the Rocket Fuel concept, what it's meant to him, his life, and his business. That's at MikeCrock.com forward slash book, MikeCrock.com forward slash book. Until next time. Be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's Mike 
C-R-O-C.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.